Hello and welcome back to the European show. It's episode 20 now and we are back to look at the football, especially the Champions League that happened over last week and to join me as always is Nick. So welcome back Nick, how are you? I am doing well Jack, thank you very much. How are you doing? Doing very good. So as I said, the first place to start is with the Champions League. This week was a bit worse than the week beforehand in terms of match quality, but it was still there. So because I'm such a great person, we'll start with Inter Milan versus Atletico Madrid, which ended 1-0 to Inter. Indeed, um, it was a game that was at the halftime held by Twitter Tacticos as a veritable chess match, um, and by those with less of a tactical eye as one of the most boring games ever played. Um, I did enjoy that first half quite a lot. There, there was indeed a lot of back and forth, and essentially um, Atleti would struggle to get into Inter's final third, but once they managed to get there, they looked quite scary and like had a lot of ideas and a lot of creativity. And Inter got into Atleti's final third really easily, but once they got there, they sucked um, and didn't really know what to do and kept losing the ball to like underhead passes and such. Um, and then that kind of changed uh, at halftime when Injagi kind of brought in some, some good changes um, to kind of flip the game on its head a little bit um, and kind of press the attack even more. Uh, Lautaro Martinez had had some good opportunities in, in the previous half. Um, and then due to Marcus Turam's injury, uh, he brought on Arnautovic. Arnautovic was essentially the reason that Inter didn't win like 4-0, um, which sounds stupid because he did score the winning goal, um, but he was awful. I think he missed like 1.6 XG worth of, worth of goals, if that matters to anyone. But... Even with the eye test, you could see this guy missed some howlers. He missed some crazy opportunities. Sure, he scored the winning goal. I'll repeat once again. But this guy had so many good opportunities because Inter managed to break past the Atleti um, backline a lot of times um, between like the 50th and 70th minute. There was like five good opportunities of which like three landed right at Arnautovic's feet and you would be like, any striker scores that. And he just like fluffed it completely um atleti was kind of well they couldn't really recover i think it's the typical atleti playing away curse which um meant they they, they didn't make a solid counter-attack and and they didn't recompose themselves and the final minutes like the 85th minute they were driving the ball up the pitch a bit more and whatnot but it was obviously far too late and you're playing against the catenacho team anyways so that's not going to do much um I, and let these still look alive. Um, they're going to be playing at home in the return leg. And they're only one goal down, thankfully. Because it, if, if it was more, I don't, I don't think beating Inter um, by more than one goal is is very realistic, even if you're playing at home. And, and it, it was because, essentially, Inter didn't manage to score the plethora of chances which they had in the, in the second half. So I think this tie is far from over. And um, this game, which was interesting for some boring for others is going to be interesting for all in this in the second in the second leg because it's really going to be all out uh which i think is pretty cool and there's going to be good chances for both teams to to go through to the next round speaking of uh chances for both teams to go to the next round uh psv dortmund jack what's your take on that it was classic dortmund game so rather boring they had their they were completely dominated by psv in the second half, which um, is when PSV equalised, but Dortmund took the lead through 
Daniel Marlin of all players, um, who obviously came. I mean, he's been PSV. he's been scoring quite a lot this season. N- not this season, recently. This happened mm. last year as well. He was crap for the first half of the season, and then he suddenly gets really good for this brief period afterwards, and then he goes back it's, to being it's crap. Jaden Sancho scared the fuck out of him. Yeah, he thought, "Damn, I have to actually start playing well now." But if you look at the goal, it was quite a shit goal, and it really. It wasn't shit as in, like, scruffy. It shouldn't have gone in. But, like, through luck, it went in. And then Dortmund saw it out to half-time. But then in the second half, there was a dodgy penalty when Matt Hummels tackled one of the PSV players, obviously given a penalty, but Hummels got the ball. Uh, Luke de Jong then proceeded to score the resultant penalty. And so, obviously, PSV now go to Dortmund in, I think it's two weeks time now with a in a comfortable position yes they're playing away but this is a pussy Dortmund team who are not clinical or good really in, in any capacity which we'll see in a bit and so yeah this is a good situation for PSV to be in because they are obviously in very good form when it comes to league football while Dortmund are very Poor, and they showed in this game here that they're able to go toe-to-toe with Dortmund. So they'll most likely be able to do it again, especially in the Signal Duna Park. Then we'll go on to the next day, which was Wednesday, where we had Porto versus Arsenal, which was meant to be like a, a walkover, really, for Arsenal. However, that wasn't the case. Arsenal went to the Bayern Munich School of Shooting and had no shots on target throughout this whole game. In a way, dominating Porto, they get hit on the counter after a mistake, after a mistake, and Gallano scores in the ninety fourth minute to make it one nil. So it's not ideal for Arsenal, but you would most likely put your money on them going to or being at home in the next game and seeing out this and coming back from behind to win, to win this. However, obviously with Porto, we've seen in the Champions League that they are. A tough team to play against. You know, they they went toe-to-toe with Barcelona in their... Obviously, this is Barcelona. They're not exactly the best team in the world. But they went toe-to-toe with Barcelona in group stage. And we've seen in the past that Porto do have, like, Champions League pedigree. And they're a very tough team to play against in the knockout stages. And then we'll look at the, the terrible game. Or the game that we all shat on, rightly so as it was between Napoli and Barcelona and was probably one of the worst games I've ever seen in my life. It, it was really awful. It, it, it was Xavi Barcelona syndrome. They began really well, putting a lot of pressure on Napoli. I have a complete inability to put the ball in the box, despite absolute domination of the game. Managed to score in the second half and completely turn off. Then a Napoli team, which has had one singular training under their current manager, who came in 48 hours before this damn match, Sonny dominates the entire game, pushes Barcelona back against their own goal, and then Inigo Martinez cocks it up tremendously um, to allow Oshiman through on goal, and he obviously converts. And then Barcelona basically spent the last 20 minutes pissing themselves because they're about to lose one of the easiest games they could have ever possibly gotten in this part of the Champions League. And now Napoli are alive, and they're going to be playing with a more training under their current manager and a very nervous Barcelona side. As Nick says, Barcelona were dominating quite a bit in the first half, but their lack of any instinct or killer instinct in the, in attack really showed. Um, 
Well, obviously for for Napoli, this was quite a a bad time for this game to come because, as Nick said, they just got a new manager, and they weren't very well trained together. It it was, in a way, Victor Oshman's goal was a bit down to luck, with the ball bouncing towards him. Yeah, no, I mean it didn't bounce towards him. It 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 was passed straight at him, and Io Martinez tries to intercept it and completely flops it. So he- heading into Barcelona, or when they go back to Barcelona, obviously this isn't a new camp, and we've seen that. The Olympic Stadium in Barcelona is not really a, a home. So Napoli will probably it's be... It's not exactly a fortress either, yeah. Napoli will be looking forward to the opportunity that they could potentially progress. Um, we also did have the the playoff round, or what is now the playoff round for the Europa League and the resultant round of 16 draw. Um, so notable games, we have Roma versus Brighton. Um, so the Zerbi returns to Italy. We have Liverpool versus Sparta Prague, Milan versus Slavia Prague, uh, Marseille versus Villarreal, Benfica versus Rangers, Sporting versus Atalanta. And what's interesting here for these final two ties, which are Freiburg versus West Ham and Karabag versus Bayer Leverkusen, is this will be the third time these teams play against each other this season in the Europa League, as they were both drawn in the exact same groups um, in these games which will likely mimic the ties of the previous ones. Karabag lost twice naturally to Bayer Leverkusen, which everyone is doing. Um, whereas West Ham beat Freiburg um, twice as well. But what's notable about Freiburg is how they got to this play- position in the first place. They were 2-0 down against La- against Lons in- at half-time and then they managed to t- make it 2-2 with a 90-second minute equaliser. Um, before they went, then went on to win in extra time. While we're here as well, the Conference League is obviously the Conference League, and the most notable two games really are Union Saint-Gilles versus Fenerbahce and Ajax versus Aston Villa. Again, you can a bit similar to last season's Conference League. You can kind of like look at this and already see who's going to really make it to the semi-finals, maybe the final. Fiorentina in it again. They're probably one of the favourites to make it there. Not Ajax, but Aston Villa will probably have the strength to make it there. Same with Union Saint-Gilois and maybe Lille as well. So now we will have our break and then we'll be back with the Bundesliga. Welcome back from our break. We will now look at the Bundesliga where Bayer Leverkusen are eight points clear of Bayern Munich now. And it's really like a... You don't want to say, because obviously mainly what happened last season, you don't want to say, oh, Leverkusen have got this wrapped up because they may not. You know, there's 11 games left. They're eight points clear. Leverkusen's lead, lead is quite... Or games, apart from when we get to April, which I've mentioned before, is quite difficult. It's relatively easy. Um... So, yeah, but the main point here isn't Leverkusen, it's Bayern Munich. So, where we left off last time, Bayern had just lost to Lazio and they just lost to Bayern Leverkusen. And so you're thinking, okay, they're playing Bochum at the weekend. You know, they're going to they're gonna win and then, like, crisis over. They then, bearing in mind, Bayern convincingly beat Bochum most of the time. 
In the past five games, they've beat them 7-0 three times. But around two years ago to the day, Bochum did beat Bayern 4-2 at home. So you're thinking, it's not, there's no way Bayern or Bochum can win. You know, Bayern are going to do what they do, which is where they, after they lose a game, they then, like, turn on this mode where they completely steamroll this other team. Bayern score in the, in the first half quite early on, and you're thinking, okay, here we go, it's kind of over. Then there's a break in play because at the time the the, the fans were protesting at the, about this DFL investor deal, and so that kind of gives Bochum the time to re, um, regroup. Then Bochum score from a counter, and you're thinking, okay, maybe. Then just before half-time, Bochum then score again in a corner, and so they're 2-1 up now, and you're thinking, oh, this isn't looking good for Bayern. And Bayern continue to not really be able to do a lot attacking-wise. And then for the second time in this week, Upamakana gets sent off and again gives away a penalty, which Bochum then score again. So they're 3-1 up now. Harry Kane scores what turned out to be a consolation goal to make it 3-2. And so then Bayern now find themselves eight points behind. They played RB Leipzig this past weekend. They won 2-1 with a late goal from Harry Kane. Um, but again, this was not a convincing victory from Bayern Munich. And obviously what happened in the aftermath of the Bocken game was it was announced Jab- not Jabby Alonso, Thomas Tuchel would step down as manager at the end of the season. Um, so it's really as if Bayern have just given up already. Again, Bayern haven't looked in a position where they want to or where they look good in any capacity. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised... For me, I, I definitely feel like it's been, oh, they beat Leipzig, crisis over. They're not going to beat Freiburg on Friday, and then it will be right back to square one. But obviously, it's raised a lot of questions about who's going to coach Bayern Munich in the summer. Um, obviously, what Bayern love to do is spread rumours about their rivals to unnerve them. Obviously, there's been a lot of rumours surrounding Xabi Alonso. But as I've mentioned before, this why do you want to do this move? It's not really that attractive especially compared to what you're doing already at Leverkusen, as well as it, what's available at Liverpool. Um, names such as Zinedine Zidane have been thrown around. Um, Hansi Flick and Julian Nagelsmann could make potential returns as well. So Bayern are definitely... I have thought about this a lot. I do think Bayern Munich needs like a proper rebuild. If you look at like the majority of the team, they're all, you could get rid of most of them. Obviously, the only untouchables, you could argue, are Jamal Musiala and, at the moment, Harry Kane. For the rest, you could quite comfortably get rid of and completely start fresh. Um, but obviously, in this, compared to other teams that do rebuilds, Bayern Munich are miles ahead of other teams financially. So they're not going to be as greatly affected by um, the needs of a rebuild. Um... Obviously, as I mentioned, the gap is eight points. The difference is for Leverkusen is they are, as we have said countless of times, you know, they're just grinding out wins in these difficult games that, that you need to win. They beat Heidenheim, which Heidenheim are one of the better teams um, in the Bundesliga this season. They beat them 2-1. Um, and that saw the lead originally extend to eight. And then at the, on this past weekend, they needed a lot of luck to beat Mainz 2-1 when Mainz's goalie badly fumbled the ball um, to give Mainz the win. 
Um, then this weekend they do play another relegation threatened team in Cologne. But the difference is Mainz actually do normally put up a fight. Um, the other surprise team that we know of in the Bundesliga this season are Stuttgart. As I just said, they they did draw with one with Cologne. But they are within touching distance of Bayern Munich. So if Bayern continue to really screw up, Stuttgart can easily find themselves overtaking Bayern. Which I think is... I think they just resigned it to hoping for a Champions League place. But I think you want to do even better and overtake Bayern. And as I mentioned, Dortmund, they are kind of big. No one really gives a shit about Dortmund at the moment. They're kind of rather irrelevant. Um, they did beat Hoffenheim, or they lost to Hoffenheim, I mean, 3-2. Now, they did come from behind to lead 2-1, but then they threw it away again. Um, so they do find themselves six points off of Stuttgart, but one point ahead of Leipzig in fifth. Obviously, the, the coefficient is important for the Champions League as the top two teams get a fifth place. So currently... The Bundesliga does get a fifth place, but all the teams are performing quite poorly in Europe, apart from Leverkusen. Um, so they may end up relinquishing this third place. So yeah, that is that is it for the Bundesliga in Italy. Inter extended the lead at the top of the table. They are now nine points clear of Juventus because not this weekend, the weekend before they they beat Salernitana four 0 while Juventus were end up ended up drawing with Hellas Verona two two. Um, so the gap's further extended at the weekend. Juventus had another pretty crazy game. They had to come from behind to beat Fosinone. And he did a 95th minute winner um, to win 3-2. Fosinone are 50 or 16, should I say. Um, the rest of the big hitters saw Milan lose 4-2 to Monza um, last weekend before then. Drawing 1-1 with Atalanta this weekend. Milan stayed third. They are four points behind Juventus. Bologna move up to fourth with their win against Hellas Verona. And Roma are currently sixth of uh, 41 points. Seven behind Bologna. Um, and they did, or they played this evening against Torino. Um, last weekend they did beat Frosinone 3-0. So life under Daniel De Rossi has started well, um, apart from their loss to league leaders, um, Inter. Um, so now we will look at La Liga. So in La Liga, we essentially just saw um, Real Madrid cement themselves um, in top spot. They're going to win the league, essentially. They beat Sevilla uh, 1-0 with a goal um, from Modric. There's not really much to say. Just Real Madrid was so much better than Sevilla um, this whole game. They completely dominated them um, in every aspect of the pitch. And Sevilla essentially just didn't even manage to break out of their own half very much throughout um, the 90 minutes. Um, other than Sevilla being a wash team. Barcelona actually did pretty well. Um, that being an understatement, they smacked Getafe 4-0. Um, João Felix was particularly standout um, as it was his first league game returning from injury. And he scored. Um, and so with that, uh, Barcelona temporarily overtake Girona uh, to cement themselves in second place. 
although Girona do play Rayo Vallecano this afternoon, uh, so we will see if they recover. But if I'm being honest, they've looked so weak recently after they, they lost against uh, Real Madrid and Athletic Club uh, consecutively. I don't really see a, a good shot of them um, well coming anywhere near top spot again. And if they fall into a proper free fall, then they're looking seriously in danger. Yeah, and then uh, in other parts of La Liga, um, Athletic Club had a chance to pop into Champions League spots, but they lost 3-1 against Real Betis. Um, who themselves are challenging uh, for European places. It was a very solid game, and uh, Betis outplayed Athletic very well um, at home, although Nico Williams did get himself sent off um, quite early on while while Athletic was, in brackets, only 2-0 down. Um, and considering he's their best player, I guess it severely handicapped um, their abilities throughout. Um Meanwhile, uh, um, the current fourth place team, Atleti, drew uh, embarrassingly against the last team in the league. Um, if Atleti is playing a Wakers, um, they essentially can't do anything um, if they're not playing at home. And it happened once again, even in literally against literally the worst team in the league, um, which has no wins this season. They they had a good game offensively, but um, defensively they. They just kept getting smacked. Um, sorry, Aliti drew and they can't really do much when they're playing away. Uh, they just Their mentality isn't quite there. And they just choked uh, a game in which they were dominating, essentially. Um, in Benelux, Ajax uh, lost again, this time against Azir Alkmaar, who reclaimed their uh, their spot in fifth place, which would theoretically qualify them to Conference League if they continue that way. Meanwhile, PSV, as always, continued their unrelenting uh winning in the league, um, disposing of Izvola in a brutal 7-1 fashion, uh, giving them no hope of anything really. Um, Feyenoord meanwhile beat Almeida 2-0, but um, I think most interestingly we switch over to the Jupiler Pro League, where we haven't really been keeping good tabs on them, but uh, we essentially saw Anderlecht, who were pretty awful, under Vincent Company, despite being a team full of youngsters and everything, they never really good, got serious results. Well, now that's changed, they're fighting for second spot, trying to catch up to top spot. Um, and they just beat Club Rouge uh, 2-1, very importantly, because now um, they extend uh, 12 points between them and Club Rouge. Uh, so kind of like the traditional winners of the league um, recently don't look particularly close to a, to a title this season. Um, Antwerp, who won last season, drew against Ghent, uh, also handicapping themselves. And now it's essentially a fight between Anderlecht and stupid Union Saint-Gilois, um, who, for the third season in a row, look like they're going to end up finishing first during the regular season and are currently eight points ahead of Anderlecht. Of course, once it goes into the into the championship round, this eight-point lead gets cut down to a four-point lead, and we have to see if Union Saint-Gilois will manage to actually hold on to their lead this time, or uh, choke it out uh, like they have the previous two times. And I think um, losing it the first time, like okay, like you've recently been promoted, like maybe you don't have the experience or the mentality to hang on. That's completely fine. The second time is pretty dumb, like especially because they looked even stronger, they looked even better, and they still didn't manage. Um, and now they just 
apart from Anderlecht, they really look like one of the best teams in the league right now. But even then, like, I, I don't know. I, I think it's become a mentality thing now that, um, that they don't think they can win it because they, they don't want the traditional big teams. So we'll have to see how that goes. But yeah, that's been everything for me and uh, I'll see you later. So now we will look at France where we had PSG drop part of the lead in, in, in Liga. They are now solely 11 points clear of Brest in second place because PSG ended up drawing 1-1 with Rennes and needed a 97th minute winner from Gonzalo Ramos to take to, to equalise. Um, while Brest comfortably beat Strasbourg 3-0. Um, the others saw Monaco beat Lens 3-2 to stay third. Nice a fourth um, on 40 points after they drew 0-0 with Clermont Foot. Um, Marseille are languishing in in ninth after a 4-1 win from against Montpellier. But what this does show more than anything is how poor of a season Marseille are having as Lyon, who we'd been talking about getting relegated earlier on this season, are now sitting behind them in 10th. So it's not really looking that good for, for Marseille, really. And they have struggled. They obviously sacked their manager, Gattuso, recently and replaced him. So, yeah, that is it. So thank you for listening. Please like us, follow us, subscribe, and we will be back next week. Mm-hmm.